Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 22nd of September, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from 1 Kings, chapter 17, verses 1 to 7 and brings us a message entitled, The Life and Times of Elijah. Now the new location has not affected your singing, your singing as well as ever. Turning to 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to read the first seven verses as we continue our series on the life and times of Elijah. And over these next few Sundays, we're going to just be with Elijah by the brook. So let's turn to the Word of God in 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to all our hearts for his name's sake. I have a question for you. A question that I would like us to to consider this morning. When it comes to knowing and doing the will of God, do we really mean what we say? Or better still, do we really mean what we sing? Where he may lead me, I may go. For I have learned to trust him so. And I remember it for me that he was slain on Calvary. Jesus shall lead me night and day. Jesus shall lead me all the way. He is the truest friend to me. For I remember Calvary. Where he may Let's ask ourselves some pertinent questions this morning. Are we really willing to go wherever God leads us? Are we willing to do whatever God the Lord wants us to do? And these questions can bring a sense of fear into our lives. What if the Lord sends us to some remote And one who had within his heart to destroy and to dispose of you and tell him that it wasn't going to rain again until you said so. And the reason for that was because of the wickedness of the nation. And then after you tell him that, you're going to a desert that is known as the Desert of Death Valley. 
Because the powers that are out there are out there to kill you. What would you do? And while in the desert, the Lord tells you that you will have running water from a little stream and your food will be delivered not by meals on wheels or some dominus uh, pizza parlor, but by the ravens catering servants, morning and evening. Not a la carte, but the set menu of bread and meat. But there will be no charge and the delivery service would be free. How would you respond? Would there be a sense of fear and hesitancy? I raise these questions because I believe they, they, are, they are helpful in giving us an understanding as to the type of man Elijah was because this is precisely what God directed him to do. The message that Ahab heard did not sit easily with him. It was not what he wanted to hear, but it was what God wanted him to hear. And I'm sure at first the king laughed and scoffed at the idea of it, and maybe suggested that this man needs to be locked up. But as the farms dried up, and as the fields and the valleys began to show the effect of the drought, King Ahab's condition would change. And his attitude would be affected by what he was hearing and seeing with his own eyes. And soon Elijah was on King Ahab's most wanted persons list. What you need to keep in mind this morning as we pursue this story and this encounter, that the hiding of Elijah was actually a judgment on the nation. The nation needed Elijah because through Elijah the word of God was coming to the people. And if the people refused God's blessing and God's message, there would come a time when he would take it away. And that's a very solemn and a very serious and a very sobering thought. We put ourselves in a very vulnerable condition if we harden our hearts even as believers to what God says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. That's not only, only applicable to the unconverted, because the unconverted heart will never respond until that heart is open. Acts chapter 16, the story of Lydia. The Lord opened her heart and she attended unto the things spoken unto her by Paul. The order is very important. The heart was opened and the evidence of the heart being opened was seen in her attentiveness to the things spoken unto her by the apostle. Open hearts lead to obedient hearts. The sinner's heart is hardened and needs to be open. But as believers, we can harden our hearts. And we harden our hearts by not allowing the Holy Spirit to apply the Word of God to our hearts, not to someone else's heart. We don't come to church and we don't say, you know, that was a word for Mary, Anne, Joe, Bobby, or whatever. We come to church and we say, Lord, speak to me. 
Speak to me through your word. We don't have an attitude of heart that says, well, I hope so-and-so was listening because if ever, ever there's a word for him or ever a word for her, that was the word this morning. No, no, no. Lord, here am I. What have you to say to me? During the Second World War, a British newspaper addressed the issue of the squandering of blessings in the nation. It read as follows, We have been a pleasure-loving people dishonoring his day. We have prepared motor travel to church going. We have ignored the church bells, and now the bells ring to warn us of invasion. We've left our churches half empty when they should have been filled with worshippers, and now many of them are in ruins. The food we refuse to thank God for is now unobtainable. You know, when you read an article like that, associated with the Second World War, you tend to say to yourself, things haven't changed too much, have they? Room for business. Room for pleasure. But for Christ the crucified, not a place that he could enter in the heart for which he died. That was a very well-known and often sung hymn at the close of a gospel service in the mission hall that I was brought up in. But I think sometimes it could be applied to my life. It could be applied to the life of every believer. Room for business, room for pleasure. But for Christ the crucified. How we need to hear God's voice. How we need to be engaged with God so that we are sensitive to the things that please God and sensitive to the things that grieve Him. John tells us something about the Lord Jesus in the 11th chapter of his Gospel. He says, So from that day on they made plans to put Him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked among the Jews, but went from there to the regions near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with his disciples. This morning, we're by the brook. Driving experts tell us that one of the basic points concerning driving a car at night is that one should never, ever drive the distance or drive further than the distance his car lights shine. In other words, if the lights shine, a hundred yards ahead of the car and the driver can see that far, he should be sure to drive at such a speed that he will be able to safely stop within that distance. You know, we can take that fact and apply it to the spiritual realm. In the realm of the things of God, in the realm of spirituality, Elijah was about to learn this great lesson, which indeed all of us need to learn, but at times we're quick to forget in our Christian walk. We're not to run ahead of him. We're not to lag behind him. We're to walk in step with the Almighty. Look again at 1 Kings chapter 17 for a moment. Elijah the Tishbite, a Tisha, in Gilgit said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. On your line, your Bible, put a little mark there. The word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink through the brook 
and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. As I have already alluded to, and as we have previously seen, the drought had been on Israel for at least six months, and so it was a dangerous thing to stand in the presence of Ahab and tell him who was responsible for the lack of rain. Elijah was not ignorant of all the dangers, knowing that Jezebel had killed all the prophets of God she could reach, but he obeyed God to the letter. He came before the monarch and gave him God's message. And this was as far as Elijah was told to go, but as soon as he had obeyed God, there was additional instructions for him. Now I want you to see this morning, here's a very important lesson to learn, and we need to constantly and continually return to this letter. There's a divine pattern here. There's a divine pattern. The word of the Lord came to him again. The word of the Lord came to him again. You see, so far as God is concerned, there's no substitute for obedience. Isn't that the lesson that Saul learnt to his cost when he spared the flock of the Philistines? You read the story in Samuel. And of course, Saul comes with a very pious, evangelical greeting to the prophet. And the prophet responds with a classical word. He says, Saul, what meaneth the bleating of the sheep? The sound of the sheep in the field was indicative of Saul's disobedience to God. All the Amalekites were to be slain and all their flock, but he spared the very best. And some of his reasoning was, we'll spare these and we'll sacrifice them and we'll use them in the temple for worship. And Samuel brought the message to Saul, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. And we learn this again in the experience of Elijah. With God, obedience always comes first. From the preceding verses, we learn that Elijah had faithfully discharged his commission. And here we find the Lord speaking afresh to his servant. And this is always the way of the Lord. He always delights to commune with those who are willing to do his will. You see, the, the thing that you need to grasp this morning is, not does God want me to know his will, are you willing to do His will before He reveals it to you? It's not a matter of me handing up a sheet and saying, Lord, I want to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other thing. Would you please sign it at the bottom? The very opposite is. The Lord returns a blank sheet. He says, you sign it. Where He may lead me, I will go. For some that might be into three foot of water to be baptized as a believer. For I have learned to trust him so. Where he may lead me, I may go. Even to the place of prayer where God's people gather so regularly and so faithful. But you're noted by your absence and well your presence. Where he may lead me, I will go. For I have learned to love him so. And I remember it was for me that he was slain on Calvary. Are we willing for his will? 
You see, this is always the way of the Lord. He always delights to commune with those who are willing to do His will. And we can trace this important pattern throughout Scripture. God does not grant fresh revelations until there's been a compliance with those already received. You see that again and again. In the early life of Abraham, the Lord had said to Abraham, Get you out to the land that I will show you. But if you read the story, he went only halfway and settled in Aaron. And it wasn't until he left Aaron and fully obeyed the Lord that the Lord appeared unto him again. You see, the will of God is not revealed for consideration, for contemplation, for conversation. The will of God is revealed for compliance, for that willing response to it. And the important pattern that is revealed throughout the Scripture has this practical truth associated with it, that God leads His servants step by step. Step by step. One step at a time. And so often you and I want to see the end before we start. But it's not trusting God. That's trusting sight. And faith does not work like that. Faith does not see, but faith trusts and obeys. There must be step one and then trust God for the next step. And you will see from a very casual reading of this story, it was when Elijah had delivered his message to Ahab that the word of the Lord came to him to tell him what the next step was. Are we obedient? Are we searching the Scriptures? If we are willing for God's will, if we are willing to do what God wants us to do, God will show us the next step. The next step that we are to take in our spiritual sojourn. This is always God's way of working, and it never changes. We come into the New Testament. And when Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus, he suddenly saw a great light. He realized he was face to face with the Lord. And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? And the Lord replied, go to Damascus. And there it will be told you what to do. And Saul had to take that step of obedience. And he waited three days and then the answer came. And the same was true concerning the manna that fell in the wilderness. It was provided every morning, six days a week. However, it was provided just one day at a time. Do you remember the popular song, One Day at a Time? Sweet Jesus, that's all I ask from you. But here's a great truth that God's people learned through God's servant Moses. Do you remember, he spoke to them in Deuteronomy, God spoke to them. And he says this, As your days, so shall your strength be also. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath and round about are your everlasting arms. You see, whatever step God enables us to take, He will give us the grace to take it. Whatever step we need to take, he will reveal that step to us a step at a time. What you face is not what I face. What I face is not what you face. 
what we face is not what others face. But no matter what the coming days may bring in our lives, as thy days, so shall thy strength be also. And what the Scripture is teaching is this, that whatever the day may bring, God's strength is tailor-made to meet the needs of that day. He will not give you the strength that you need for Wednesday on Tuesday. He will not give you the strength that you need on Tuesday for Wednesday. The little chorus is true. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is to follow. Strength for today is mine all the way. And all that I need for tomorrow. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Here is the divine pattern. A step at a time. Elijah was to obey God, to do what God had told him to do at this precise moment and then leave it with God in regard to the coming death. It was the third day. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. The Lord Jesus was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And there was a crisis, an embarrassing crisis. They ran out of wine. And of course, they said to her, you need to have a word with him. And she said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus responded in a strange way, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He was speaking of a deeper spiritual application than they realized. Then she said this. She said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. And I want to tell you this this morning. Upon the authority of the Holy Scripture, God will never tell you to do anything that is not confirmed in his word. That's a principle that people have tried to go against to their cost. And so there were six water jars. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Pardon? Fill the jars with water. They have talked among themselves. Did he say water? Yeah. It's not water we need here. We fill these jars with us. It's going to be even more embarrassing. We need wine. Fill the jars with water. And of course, Mary's words came true. Do whatever he tells you to do. They did that. And the water became wine. Do what he tells you to do. And the water will become wine. Honor him. Honor his day. Honor his word. Honor his works. Allow God to mold and fashion your life. Our life. According to his word. The story is told of a British naval chaplain. 
leading some young naval students in a weekly Bible study at the naval base in Portsmouth in the south of England. And in the course of their discussion, some of the young officers were responding to the study by saying, Pastor, you don't really understand the world in which we're living. We just can't help doing what we do because we find it difficult to do what you say the Bible says we should do. It's very hard to go against the flow. And at that moment, the mature pastor invited them to look out on the bay where the boats were moving to and fro with their sails set appropriately. All going in different directions. And then the Navy chaplain made this telling comment. One boat goes east and one boat goes west. By the self-same wind that blows is the set of the sails and not the gales that determines which way they go. Elijah had his sails set by the word of God. And when he obeyed that word, God revealed the next step and made it known to Elijah that them that honor God, God will honor. May God bless his word to all our hearts, and in a few weeks' time, we'll return to the book. We're going to say.